This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. This is Danny and Gallant. We've got a lot to get through with the Mariners. They suffered a loss last night, two-run loss to the Houston Astros. The afterglow of their really thrilling comeback in Game 1 of the Astros series doesn't even last 24 hours. We, we find out before the game that the Mariners have traded Kendall Graveman along with Rafael Montero, who had already been designated for assignment. They trade him to the Astros for Abraham Toro and then a veteran relief pitcher. That, that we saw in last night's game. They later add Tyler Anderson, who's a left-handed starting pitcher from the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Graveman trade is what we focused on today and certainly what got the reaction from the clubhouse. We're joined now by Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. And Ryan, first of all, uh, good morning. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Not a problem, Danny. Not a problem at all. Ryan, when you first heard the the news of the trade, what what was your expect? What was your anticipation of how the tra- the team was going to react when they found out that Kendall Graveman had been dealt? Well, I don't want to quote Jared Kelnick, but to say like a fart in church, probably you know that's what he said about the meeting about Kevin Mather. I thought it'd be worse than that, honestly. So I, I was <laughs> driving up uh, from from scenic Tacoma and and endure, enduring I five traffic on the way to the stadium. Well, I got a text from a source that they were making a trade, and then I was kind of trying to get them to let me know. And, and when I first heard the name Kendall Graham, I was like, you got to be kidding me. This can't be right. You know, and I knew my source was right, but I was like, and I thought to myself, this is just going to end badly. And I, I was, and I didn't tweet out, like, the parameters right away because I'd heard, you know, because I, I was told, like, it could be more. And I think the, the process was is they were still – also trying to get that Anderson trade done as well at the same time. So I didn't know if it was going to be a three-team or what. But I knew that the moment I got to Cheney, or to uh, T-Mobile Park to be looking at what the players' reaction was because I knew in my mind what the reaction was going to be because I knew how popular Kendall Graveman was to that team. And just the whole timing of it, you know, the optics of it, of when it happened and less than 24 hours after the, the best win of the season and, and the high. And when I got to that stadium, um, it was everything that I expected. You had a great piece in the Seattle Times, the headline, Mariners players feel, quote, betrayed after team trades Kendall Graven to the Astros. And you wrote in that piece that that word had been used several times by several players. And I, I guess I'm curious, not wanting to reveal names or anything like that, but how much of the clubhouse feels this way? Is this a majority opinion? Is this a, 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 a minority but a vocal minority opinion? Uh, I, you know, I've covered Jerry DePoto since he took over the team, and I've you know, covered the Mariners with Jack Sorensic and even Bill Bavese. Um, I have never seen the reaction, a negative reaction towards a trade and a player being lost like that. I have never seen that many people upset. I've never seen more grown men in tears and more grown men angry than I saw yesterday. Um, and part of it is I haven't been around very often in the circumstances where they were trying to go for it, where they thought they had a chance. You know, I think since I started covering this team in 2006, you know, 2007, I mean, I think there was nine 
14, 16, and 18, those were years where they actually were kind of in it around the trade deadline and they didn't do hardly anything for whatever reason. So, and then I'd never covered a team that was this kind of emotionally high going into the, the trade deadline. And so to, I, and then I talked to a staffer up there who said she'd never seen more men crying over a, a player being traded away. That's the impact Kendall Graveman had. I've never, honestly, I've never seen a player coming in a year and a half um, become such a leader and become such a force on a team as fast as I've seen Kendall Graveman, which is a credit to him and his personality. He just, he is a good teammate. Players like him, um, and they, you know, he just, had that effect on them right away and so yeah i've never seen anything like that and the reaction i mean i think people like yeah i used mlb or i use i wouldn't name the players because i didn't want to make the players uh the focus you know who was complaining and who wasn't right but it, it wasn't hard to ask players what they thought and a lot of them were so upset that they didn't want to talk about it at all like they just two and three word comments and 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 left and they they didn't make like their feelings are hidden, you know, outwardly, uh, you know, like this is a team that when they get on the field every day and do their pregame work, they have a ton of energy. They got the music going, they're laughing, they're getting after it. A lot of them didn't even do the work that they normally do because they were so upset. They disappeared in the clubhouse. He didn't want to be around it. You know, he didn't want to have to look around and see him not there. And I certainly don't think they wanted to see him over there in an Astros uniform. So I, I was pretty, I knew the reaction was going to be bad and I kind of knew you know, who would talk about it probably more openly than others. But, yeah, I've never seen anything like that where, you know, they were so adamant. And I think that speaks to, you know, the perception of this team and that they've, they've kind of gotten to some place where nobody thought they'd be and they were so happy. And as Gregman even said, it kind of made the last five days of what that team had accomplished to get to this point feel kind of pointless. We're talking to Ryan Davis of the Seattle Times. He's with us on the Issaquah Pass Control Hotline. There's there's two different things that fuel sort of the disappointment that the clubhouse is feeling. On the one hand, it is what Graveman means as an individual and as a leader on that team. The other part is the bigger picture of the the Mariners made a trade here, which is more about their long-term vision than it is about the short-term playoff contention. The combination of those is leads to the, the reaction that you're talking about. Uh, my question is, Ryan, if over these next couple days, the front office makes moves that significantly improve the 2021 team, that if by the time you get to Saturday, July 31st, the trade deadline is passed, this team is better for 2021 than it was one week ago, how far will that go in sort of improving the outlook of the players? How much of this taste will it wash out of their mouth? Oh, I think a ton. And I think, you know, on some level, the raw emotion of it will subside. I mean, Danny, you, you've been around professional athletes, Paul, you've been around professional athletes, and baseball players of all the athletes have the best ability to compartmentalize, to move on, to kind of push forward and focus on the next day because that's what they have to do. So, you know, they're, they're going to move on. The anger will, will kind of, not be as intense, but at this, and, and you know, and yeah, if you add a bunch of guys, yeah, that helps them a little bit. Um, but there is a skepticism amongst the players of the front office of, you know, the ownership group that, you know, they, they say this and then they never come through, you know, for, I think for guys like Seager, Hanniger and Marco, 
they saw in 2018 that they were good and they had a lead and they knew they needed help um, because the A's were trying to chase them down and were playing at a ridiculous pace. And ownership gave them Cameron Maben, Zach Duke, and Adam Warren because it didn't want to add payroll to the to the already kind of bloated budget of, of signing real dudes or trading for real guys. And granted, they didn't have the prospect capital to do it as well, but they, they didn't go out and get a real guy to help them. And I think that kind of, for some of those veterans, they remember that. And I think, you know, what happened this spring with Kevin Mather and what they didn't do in the offseason also resonates huge in that clubhouse. You know, they when, when the Kevin Mather stuff happened and, and the players said, yeah, we move on, yeah, who is he, whatever, but we don't deal with him. At the end of the day, though, there was always skepticism and a lack of trust for what they were doing, at least with the ownership. And then, you know, they were upset anyways that, that the team didn't go get Taiwan Walker, that it didn't go get Colton Wong, that it didn't, they didn't feel like it really committed to them after kind of the strides they made last season. So, you know, for them, seeing them trade away Kendall Graveman, after what they saw, the lack of movement in the offseason – and they, you know, it's just like, okay, here we go again. That's why it's like they, the guy, the one guy said, prove it. You know, like, prove it. You say all these things and then you don't do it. Like, because last year, at the end of last year, DePoto and Service came out and said, we're, com- we're going to try and compete next year. We're going to add to this roster and we're going to try and compete next year. Well, then Kevin Mather says, no, we're going to do the hat and hand free agent policy. And then that, that's all blown up. The players only heard we're going to compete next year. And that's why so many times this spring, when all that stuff was going down and, and, Chipoto and Service only talked about goals being just to get better. J.P. Crawford and Marco Gonzalez said, no, we're going to focus on winning. Whatever they say, we think we can win right now, even if they haven't provided what we want. We're going to try and win right now. And they've done it. And so then you also take one of your, your closer and send them away. And they're like, you know, because players live in the moment, too. Like, right. yeah, Abraham Toro is a nice player that could help them. You know, he's got a prospect pedigree that's around for four years. That doesn't help the players right now. That to them, it's like, yeah, and he could help them now in a little bit. But like, they don't think of it that way. You know, they don't think they don't think about what they've added. They only think about what they've lost because Abraham Toro, for all intents and purposes, is still more of an idea of potential than he is a player. Kendall Graveman has shown when they had to win all those one-run games and they were in the fire, he won. And it's, and it's kind of like, and what I mentioned is like, and I was talking about with this with Larry Stone. If they spend just a little bit this offseason. If they give Taiwan Walker two years and just don't ignore him in the offseason, if they give Colton Long the extra year, if they have money to buy another reliever or another bat, they're not in this position of where they're trying to add so much at the deadline and to try and like take advantage of a situation they didn't expect. And maybe those guys changed the chemistry and they don't have this now, but that, that's the thing. is like You're here right now and it's hard to get to this point right now, and to kind of ignore it would be um, disrespectful to the players and the fans. Now, they can do that in the next couple of days, and the players could be happy, but in the moment right now, they, there's no reason for them to believe that, that it's going to get better, no matter what they say. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times with us on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. Totally with you on that one. I don't know if there's anything that Jerry DePoto could say, and it felt like some of the players wanted transparency in that article, but I don't know if any transparency is going to change any of their opinions about the current situation. Now, for what it's worth, we did see from Jason Stark this morning that Mitch Hanniger is not somebody that they're looking to trade. So at the very least, I mean, that's that's a plus. But right now there's some damage control that I imagine needs to be done. 
Who's going to be able to do it? And, you know, the guy I'm looking at the most right now, Ryan, is Scott Service. I'm curious as to how he honestly feels about the moves that just took place because he's the guy that's essentially the steward in the clubhouse for uh, those that are in management. And how can he potentially get these guys back on the, I don't know, right track and change that morale in the clubhouse? You know those uh, little, those big red wiffle ball bats that we used to use as a kid? Scott Service yesterday looked like he took about 75 swings to the face with one of those things, oh. like walking around <laughs> pregame. I mean, like, he just he, he just had this kind of ashen look, and, and he had to sit there and wear it for, you know, the, the decision that was made. I mean, you know, you, you saw what the players said that the Poda didn't tell them. They, they found out, you know, Graveman found out from assistant GM Justin Hollander that he'd been traded. And in the players found out largely from Graveman and social media and Abraham Toro walking into their clubhouse. Like, you know, and, and, I, and look, Jerry's the boss. He didn't have to go down there and explain it. He didn't have to go down and explain anything he does. They're, he's the boss. They're the employees. I mean, that's how we all live. But with something, I think, as, as delicate as that, and as emotional as that, and, and, and I mean, knowing the room, like know the room and that you're, that Graveman was such a big part of it. Maybe you got to go down there and explain it. I'm sure the meeting wouldn't have went well. I mean, like from what I heard, some of the reactions and stuff being thrown and things going out. Like I, yeah, probably wouldn't have been a good time. But you, like when we talked about like the basic distrust they have right now, go down there and explain what you're trying to do to them, uh, and and maybe that helps alleviate some of the the anger. I don't know if it does completely, but like you know, explain what you're trying to do and how you're going to make them better. Like, like players deal in, in like simple uh, absolutes. Like, okay, how does this guy make me better today? How does this guy help me win today? And if you go in there and say, well, this is how we're going to make you help you win today, tomorrow, and the next day, not two years from now. Because a lot of the players are sick of hearing about rebuilds, including some of the players that are considered the rebuilding part. And so I, I think that was part of it. But Scott, yeah, Scott had to walk through it. You know, like, like, look, I. I've lived that life before. When I the day I was hired at the Times, and I had to go to the winter meetings, Jeff Baker wrote this whole thing about the Mariners, and I had to walk through the burnt ashes and and deal with the fallout. You know, and it wasn't enjoyable. And I think that's where Scott Service is at yesterday. And I don't know that Scott probably loved the idea of Kendall Graveman being traded. He has to toe the company line. But again, he also just was getting some cachet with the players too. You know, he he's up there screaming at the other coach and dropping F-bombs and wanting to fight the pitcher after J.P. Crawford gets hit. And that, that goes a lot in the eyes of the players. You know, I'm, I'm sure Mike Salk, he was happy because he's wanted to see a fight for like every year. Well, they were down there in a fight and service is the one almost starting it. And that probably resonated a little bit with the players. And then all of a sudden, he's the one going around saying, well, here's why we traded Kendall Graveman today. And here's why he's got to go. And here's why this makes us better. Like, hey, man, have, a, have a fun 12 hours, Scott. You went from high, high, and then now you got to be the bearer of bad news and explain why, like, explain why your girlfriend is now dating your brother. I mean, like, it's terrible. And it's like, that's the other thing, like Larry said, it, any other team but the Astros, that's that's another thing. Like the if you if you think fans hate the Astros, players hate the Astros more than any any other mm. team in baseball. And so then to see one of your best guys and one of the guys you know you you know go to the Astros, you have to face him like another eight or nine times. That's that's just tough pill to swallow for players. I will say this, and we really appreciate Ryan Divish going on. The part about the Astros doesn't bother me. You're competing against them this year, not really as much as you're competing against them down the road. And I, I, I see the baseball logic of this trade. 
I, I, I think there's I think it's fair to wonder how this is going to affect the mentality of the clubhouse. And I think it's fair to wonder it, even if the Mariners come out of this trade di- deadline better in 2021 that they went into it, that, that the loss of Graveman is is really significant and could have been handled better. But the part about the Astros just doesn't bother me. No, I, for me, I, you know, I, I have none of it really bothers me. Like you have to, you know, I'm not a fan, so you just pragmatic and you look at it. I understand the baseball aspects, but four years of Abraham Toro versus uh, half year of Kendall Graveman, sure, you know, you, you get rid of the rotting corpse of Ma- Rafael Montero, but they pick up the money by claiming, you know, taking the trade on. You're not paying him actually for not pitching for you, and you know, getting the Figgins treatment. I mean, I, I, I get that aspect, but I also get, like, where the players come from. Like, because when you, you know, Danny, this, and it, this speaks to having access to players now. Like, we don't, I don't get that story off of Zoom. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, I could text some of them. I did text some of them yesterday, but, like, you know, I'm not getting that if we don't get to talk to them. You can probably write it from what you're seeing, but no player's going to probably say that on Zoom. And so it's like, yeah, I, I get, like, where the players are at, because when you go there on a daily basis and you see kind of the inner workings, and you just kind of know how teams operate. You, you, you just you kind of know that that's going to be a problem. And, and yeah, they'll move on, but you don't know what it's going to be like down the road. And then like I, I try to tell people, oh yeah, but you got Toro. We'll have him for next year. You don't know that you're going to be back there next year. You know, it was like the the year when the playoffs and Steven Strasburg and they were debating on whether he should pitch in the playoffs or not because he was coming off Tommy John. And they said, well, no, you know, we we got to think about next year and the year after when we could be there. Well, they didn't make it the next year or the year after that. You know, it's like. You, it, it would be arrogant to say we're thinking about next year and the postseason next year when you haven't been there since 2001. You know, 100%. and that's another thing. Like, and that's another thing. And then, like, that doesn't fall on Jerry in the sense that, like, he wasn't here for all of this. You know, he wasn't the Bebezi era, and he wasn't the Zorenzic era. But again, that's the that's the burden he assumed when he took this job, and that fans will not forget that. And he has to walk the line. He can't do everything just to snap it. And I don't think he's going to. But at the same time, like, you're here now. You have a chance. You probably better try and make it work. He is Ryan Divish. You can read his story in the Seattle Times. A great job of reporting out their reaction uh, in the clubhouse to that deal of of Kendall Graveman. And certainly going to be busy here in the days going forward. Ryan, we really appreciate your time this morning and look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, Danny, I'll see you in New York in a few weeks. Yeah. really interesting. Yeah, you want me to go get yeah. you a burger? What kind of food do you want to go get? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, you're the one who lives there. I didn't know if, you know, we were going to have a Jets and Sharks type of moment. But, you know, like, you know, <laughs> little, uh, a musical like, number? Showdown. Actually, well, what we're going to do is yeah. we're going to headbutt each other and determine who really has sure. the biggest noggin. Sure, headbutt. How about you play uh, Endless Love in the background, DJ? I feel like that's the more appropriate Oh, dear song. God, that's just terrifying. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Talk to you soon, Ryan. That is Ryan, Ryan Divish to the Seattle Times. You can follow him. Uh, we usually do around the NFL. NFL training camp, the Seahawks training camp is opening today. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. I get what Ryan's saying. I also think that the most important thing, the most important thing for the Mariners is the longer term trajectory as opposed to the immediacy of how this felt how the message was delivered, how it looked in the wake of, like all of those different things. I I understand the 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 impact that the news had yesterday. Yeah. I guess my opinion is I see the baseball sense in this trade. I see the baseball value, and I think that by the time we get to Saturday and the trade deadline is passed, I believe that the Mariners will be better situated. I think they'll be better situated to compete this year. 
I think their team will be better on Saturday, July 31st than it was a week before, than it was on July 24th. And if it's not, if it's not, every one of those players has the right to feel that sort of their efforts this year have been compromised not undermined, but compromised in pursuit of the, of the long-term trajectory. And I agree that that's, if I'm a player, I'm really mad about that. I'm really mad given all of the things. But I think what's happening, and it, it started with the Tyler Ander- the trade for Tyler Anderson, I do think we're going to see improvements to this team this year. That move with Graveman certainly was not that. Listening to Ryan, even if they do get better, it's hard to imagine them getting better, making them feel any differently here. This is a delicate situation, and hearing the way Ryan described how Scott Service looks, having to drop that on all of the players and, and, and wear it, now he has the job of refocusing them. And, I mean, they've done this already a couple of times this year. I think it is important to note that, going back to the Kevin Mather comments, that there has been some friction, obviously, between the suits and the players, and Service, once again, is going to have to do the magic that it seems like he has been able to do thus far. And I, I wonder about it at this time, though. And it's weird. I mean, we're, we're talking about Kendall Graveman, who's a, who's a good pitcher. Is he a great pitcher? You know, that, that's, that's something that I wonder about. Just as this team gets older and more mature, if this is hopefully just a first step that they can get used to, because this is the reality of sports. There's going to be more departures in the coming years. And a lot of the guys who aren't, you know, who are supposed to be a part of this team competing, they're not even here yet. It's Danny and Gallant. We will continue with reactions. Text in your thoughts. 710-710, Mac and Jack's text line. Not just did you like the trade or not. Is it about the value of Graveman or is it about rebuilding? Why didn't you like it? That's next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Text from the 425. This trade does not make baseball sense. Stop pumping the company line. Make Dunn the closer when healthy. I no, I think it do does. It the company went, yeah. No, I, no, man. I, I'm with I, you. I, I think in a, in a, from a baseball value perspective... You're a team that is five and a half games back. You're the the likelihood of you catching the Houston Astros and winning the division this year is less than ten percent. Certainly, I think less than five percent. I think it's you're competing zero. with the the Astros years down the road, and you're trading a reliever with some av- availability questions. I mean, there have been points when he has not been available to pitch, understandably because he's coming off a really serious neck injury who's a free agent at the end of this year, for a guy who might be your third baseman going forward. You have four more years of control of after this year, who was a former top-hitting prospect in a really well-regarded farm system who hasn't hit his first couple times. I think from baseball perspective, it makes a ton of sense. My, my question is, is the upside of Abraham Toro, is that worth the gut punch that your players feel because Graveman is gone specifically? And, and I don't know the answer to that question. I... I, I my tendency is is that we overreact and that we're feeling the the huge lift of how they've played this week and how they came back and won on on Monday and that's not a great basis for making your long-term baseball decisions. I, I like overall I support the trade. I also if they don't make other trades, if they're not better on Saturday than when they were a week ago, I understand the players feeling that they were kind of they were kind of given up on. 
I think we need to wait 48 hours before we grab the pitchforks and the torches. And for whatever reason, we've decided not to do that. I don't know what Toro's going to bring to the table, but it makes more sense to have Toro on your roster long-term than it does to have Kendall Graveman. Think about it from this perspective. You, made, you talked about it from the baseball perspective. I, I'm with you on this front. I mean, Kendall Graveman, who again, missed some time this year with COVID-19. I'm not going to hold that necessarily against him, but that was an issue for this team in the middle of the year. This is a guy who is pitching in the midst of a career year, but this is his first year as a reliever. Relievers are impossible to predict year to year, and he is going to get a big raise with whoever he signs with this offseason. I would imagine that we're talking around $10 million a year just given the numbers that he's put up, and are you willing to pay that? Are you going to be able to pay that? Now, maybe he'd be willing to come back or something like that, but that's no guarantee. And if you are looking at yourself in the mirror, is Kendall Graveman such a catastrophic loss from a baseball talent perspective that all of a sudden you're going to fall out of it? I mean, I'm not even sure if he's their number one reliever anymore. And I know this sounds like spin zone right now. He's he's not their number one reliever. Seawalt is. Seawalt Seawalt's their best reliever right now. That's why that's why he's closing games. He he is their best reliever. So if he's their best reliever, this is not the end of the world. It is a punch to the gut. Yes. Don't get it twisted. I agree on that. And I am when that trade first happened, I was like, what? I don't get it. I don't get why it happened. But I'm going to let 48 hours pass on the trade deadline pass before I actually make, I think, my official judgment on this. And yeah, maybe that's pushing it down the road and being a lazy sports talk show host or something like that. But I don't think that you have, I don't think that you can be as extreme in the reaction to this, us, the neutral observers, the same way that the players are. And I get it from the players' perspective. I mean, they're human beings. And this guy, clearly, they all like, they all respect it. So yeah, they're going to be bummed out. But here's the problem this is, this is sports. You got to move on. This is, how, this is how it works, and I know it's easier said than done, but that is your job as a professional. You will see I, transactions over the course of a season, and you got to move on. I don't, I don't doubt the ability of the players to move on. For everyone that is opposed to the trade, thinks it was a dumb trade, or, or doesn't, doesn't like it, whether you think that this was a failure to recognize how valuable Graveman was to the chemistry, or if you think that this just doesn't make baseball sense, that Graveman was too good a relief pitcher— and you're trading him to a division rival and helping address their biggest need. If you didn't like it, this this question is specifically for you. If the Mariners this Saturday, when the trade deadline is over, are statistically a better team, if they are when you look for their their one through one through twenty up and down their roster, if they're a better team on Saturday than they were on the previous Saturday, if they've gotten better and improved the on field product for this year. Is it a good trade? Like, And if you still object to it, because you can look at it and say, and I think that this is a valuable and a question that I have in my head, is are they are, is the front office underestimating the impact that this is going to have on the way this team feels about each other? This is a team that's 23-8 and eight in one-run games, that has shown an ability to come back, whose strength has been its bullpen, and this is a guy that is specifically respected. You heard Ryan Divish talk about that. We've heard Justin Dunn tell us he's big heavy. Like how he's an important part of the clubhouse. It, even because you can make in those sort of instances, you can say, I don't care if this statistically makes you a better team. If your widgets improve, you're disrupting the chemistry on a team that if there's any reason why you think that they're got to nine games above 500, it's, it's not, it's not entirely explained statistically. It's got to be some of the chemistry that you could, you could con- conceivably improve your roster 
and actually worsen your team because of how important Graveman's chemistry is. And if that's the case, then I can see saying they, they absolutely should not have made this trade. But there's also part of me that says that we're reacting and the negative reaction comes from you're like, this deal made us worse in 2021, which it did. But there's other stuff that's going to happen. But there's other stuff that's going to happen. And I do think when we get to this Saturday, this team will be better in 2021, mm. better for this, the closing stretch of the season than, than they were last week. But I don't think we're going to know that. And the players definitely aren't going to know that, right? It's going to take time to, I think, completely evaluate where they're at. And while with a lot of what you said there, you know, what the, the first thing I keep on thinking of is, look, if, 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 if losing Kendall Graven is enough to pull this team out of contention, then they weren't really in contention to begin with. You know, like I like Kendall Graven as a player, but, but do, do you think we're going to know on Saturday? I yeah. don't. I think we'll be able to tell. I, I mean, think we'll have a look, vibe, but do, you are can, we going to no, know? You can, you, can, you, can, you, can make a, you can make an assessment on, a tr- on trades based on, okay, what can you expect from those players down the stretch? Like, I think you have a good idea of what you can expect. Abraham Toro does not make Seattle better for 2021 for the final 60 games of 2021 than having Kendall Graveman. But there's other guys. If, they, if they're a team that is a surprise entry in the Max Scherzer sweepstakes and they go out and rent Scherzer, which would kind of be against all of the different things that the, the Mariners have said, if they go out and trade for Herman Marquez, like you could look at it and say, okay, this, this means you should expect this team over the final 60 games to be better. I think we'll be able to know after the trade deadline. Did they improve their on-field product? I don't think we'll be able to know the chemistry, but I think you'll be able to know, like, okay, did they did they give themselves a better chance statistically at wins over the final 60 games of the season? His statistics aren't that impressive, but I, I would say that he gives you an upgrade in the infield immediately. Toro? Yeah, he's better than I think he's a better second baseman than the guys that you're rolling in there right now. So I, I think he's he's more likely to be a, a full timer at the very least. Make it so Dylan Moore only faces lefties. If we're gonna use this as an old fashioned scale, and we'll also we'll, we'll we'll bring Tyler Anderson into this as well. The the reliever that they got from Pittsburgh, a uh, essentially probably your fifth starter uh, lefty. When you put Toro and I'm not even going to put Joe Smith on that. If you put Toro and Anderson on one side of the scale, the old-fashioned scale, and you put Graveman on the other, how far is it teetering in the direction of Graveman with those two guys aboard the roster? Because you have a starter that you needed. Again, it's a rental, but I think it's important to have that rental for the rest of this season, and you have a slightly better, slightly better infielder option. 65% leans toward Graveman. Okay. 65 that would be my answer. I think that's a, I think is, that's a good one. Yeah, he's he's he is the second best reliever, and that's your in strength a bull, in a bullpen that has been your strength. Yeah, that that would be my answer. It's Danny and Gallant. We'll raise flags. That's coming up next. From the pocket and flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at nine forty-five with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged. Flag on the play. It's been a lively and spirited discussion. The last two days, the Mariners sort of stolen the thunder from the start of Seahawks training camp, and that's the first time I can remember that happening since at least 2011. Well, that's what happens when you're able to trade Rafael Montero for someone. It is true. You got someone to pay for it. Did you notice that Dennis <laughs> and I both use the exact same same phrase? The both the exact same insensitive phrasing for Montero. 
Which was, you got somebody to take his corpse. Yeah. Well, play nearer my god to thee. He is now a member of the Houston Astros. And they're paying for him for the rest of the year. He's on their dime. Was this secretly the move that was done to sink the Astros ship? I'm kidding. The mole? Yeah. Rafael Montero is the mole. <laughs> it would be the greatest thing Montero does for, for the Seattle Mariners. Look, there's a legitimate point to be made for, you know what? Like, they're that desperate. Because Houston, you all you always want to deal with the desperate dude. You always want to deal with the desperate dude. And Houston stinks. is desperate right now for bullpen help. DJ, let's start with you. Well, given all the, of course, the news that we've been talking about today, I just want to raise a flag to said Kendall Graveman. because that's very nice of you. (laughs) But because not only was he really good, he's been through a lot, of course, in the last couple years. He was so, so effective for the Mariners, such a huge leader. This cut that we played earlier, I want to play it again. As a fan, I just appreciate... I know this hasn't been the before really DePoto got here. It hasn't been the best Ran franchise in sports history. And the fact that a player like Kendall Graveman cared so much about building something here, as a fan, I really like that. For me, I told the guys over there, I feel like I'm a builder in nature. Um, whether, not even in the game of baseball, just anything. I like to build something from the ground up and see it flourish. And I think that um, I've invested a lot of time over the year and a half uh, to help Seattle get back to winning baseball and the atmosphere that was here the last five days. So in that aspect, it is a little bit, it's tough, um, the relationships that were built um, to leave clubhouse staff and officers that I know in the bullpen. Um, that's, that's tough. And I'll say this, I know we hear like a lot of incoming rookies, like we heard Baker Mayfield, he was going to get picked by Cleveland. The Browns were a trash franchise, but he wanted to go to Cleveland. You know, NBA drafts tomorrow. Kay Cunningham, he said he really wants to go to Detroit. It's really easy to say that when you're an incoming rookie. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to make the optics look a little better. But with a veteran like Kendall Graveman, really genuinely caring to try to build a culture in Seattle that hasn't really had a sustainable culture in the last 20 years. I mean, shout out to him, and as much as I hate the Astros, good luck to him. I agree. Well said. Yeah. Should be saluted for that. He was a great teammate. Dudes loved him. And the fact that people are this upset is... It's not a backhanded compliment to say that that reflects very well upon who he is. He's someone that faced down a potentially career-threatening neck injury, remade himself as a really effective reliever, and and a valued member of the clubhouse. I had a lot of fun talking with him when he uh, joined the show. I think it was early on in the season, too. And I really wish him the best there. You know what? Uh, For what it's worth, he'll, he'll have a chance to win a championship out of this. And... We'll see how far they go, but he's going to be a big part of that, I'd imagine, down the stretch. I'm going to raise a flag for Jared Kelnick. This might have gotten lost in the shuffle of the late part of last night's game. Jared Kelnick, he had a two-run single, came up with the bases loaded, knocked him in. He had another hit later in the game, and he also had what might have been the best defensive play for the Mariners this season. 
Sander Top of the eight. The belt and the 0-1 pitch. Swung on, line drive, left center field. Kellett got the run, dives, and he makes the catch. The throw to second base in time to double up Maldonado. Holy smokes. What a great catch by the kid. Kellett got in left center field, diving through the air with the greatest of ease. And Robs, and I'm telling you, he robs Michael Brantley, gets up, throws a strike into Dylan Moore to double up Maldonado. What a great catch by Jared Kelnick and two outs for the Astros here in the top of the eighth inning. What a play. Howitzer. It was an incredible dive. Like, there there are some dives where you're like, that's, that's a pretty clean. He had to take an aggressive line to that ball, and he had to lay out every inch of his frame. I, I do think that that was the highest degree of difficulty of a play that we've seen from an outfielder this year. I know Dusty Baker said he was disappointed that they walked a guy who was hitting like 102. I still believe in Jared Kelnick, and I believe that he is going to be a net positive to this team over the final 60 games of this season. And if it started last night, then that's a great way to start it. You know, Danny, I was really concerned with him, and I thought this would be a big topic today. When he slammed his bat after that second strikeout that he had. But he finished the game with that play and two hits. And he talked about it after the game, like how he changed his approach for the next at bat and how he had calmed down. And honestly, whatever happened, happened. And I thought in that moment where he slammed the bat down, I was like, oh no, maybe all those things that he was trying to do in Tacoma didn't take hold. Maybe they did. This was, I, I think, a big step forward for Kelnick last night and hopefully he's able to keep it up but I'm not I I I gotta I gotta sit back and be cautious I keep on getting too excited with anything Jared Kelnick it's a fun night for him last night though that's for sure it was great Paul who's your flag for I'm going to throw a flag at coverage of Simone Biles and her decision to withdraw from the Olympics now I want to say this first I think it takes a a lot of chutzpah to walk away from something in your prime. And after listening yesterday to two different Chris Long podcasts with Arian Foster and Ricky Williams, two guys who you could argue did that, it can't be an easy decision to make. At the same time, I guess, while there are some people that are calling her out as as, as being like completely selfish and things like that, I disagree with them. I, I also don't... I don't like that we are consistently lionizing somebody for, I guess, deciding to walk away because there's a couple of things here. There could have been somebody else who wanted to be on this Olympic team that she did not offer essentially the opportunity to. That opportunity was not given because she made this decision now. I bet she was feeling this before the Olympics. And I I do wonder if this is something that she will regret just because of the fact that this is like for her peak earning, Right. And we're not going to talk about gymnastics for probably four years or so, at least in the grand on the, in the grand scheme of things. So I I wonder if this is something that she regrets later. But I think the thing that we should be talking about when something like this happens more than anything, we should hope that people that step aside for mental health issues get the break that they need. And, and that's it, right? Should it be anything more like criticism or at the same time, like saying, oh, wow, so courageous? Shouldn't it just be that in the middle? Yes. But she doesn't owe anybody anything. And by stepping aside, didn't she give another person an opportunity to compete? She gave somebody that already had made the team an opportunity to compete. To right. compete. I, I just mean there could have been somebody else who was trying to qualify for the Olympics to get a lifelong dream, and, and she made this decision then. Again, her prerogative, but that is that is the cost. 
She doesn't owe anybody, and athletes do not owe anybody. The person that they owe the most to is themselves. And people who That's think fair. that athletes owe them a performance or that that there is some sort of obligation. No, the athlete, the the most important person that the athlete has to listen to is themselves. And and really, I hope she I hope she's feeling better after this because I can understand how. I mean, she was the Olympics for the United States. That's the way that she was billed going into this, and that's a lot of pressure to put on anybody. And I would follow this up and say that a lot of the people I see who are praising her decision as courageous are people who are expressing publicly something that they do not practice professionally. And I I do think that there is hypocrisy in that, that a lot of people, because it is... It is recognized as a need to take important. I encourage people to be true to yourselves and listen to yourself. And it doesn't matter if someone is praising or criticizing that decision. As long as you're being true to yourself and doing what's best for you, that's the thing that matters the most. Highly encouraged, by the way, those Ricky Williams and Arian Foster podcasts. Very interesting perspectives on that side of an athlete's career. That is Danny and Gallant for this Wednesday, the start of training camp. Our training camp coverage here at 710 ESPN Seattle brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. Thank you to Ryan Divish for joining us. Tyler Lockett. Michael Bumpus, who was in in the 8 o'clock hour. John Clayton, the star-studded cast. DJ Wilder holding it down like gravity. And he is Paul Gallant. And, well, he's going to try to make sense of how important chemistry is to a team. And he is Danny O'Neill. And I'm surprised that he did not use this pun. Things look grave, man. In the Mariners clubhouse today. But I'll give you a lot of credit. You could have done it. You didn't. It's because I didn't think of it. That's a good one. (laughs) So long. Farewell. Danny and I are back at you tomorrow at 7. And that question, how important is chemistry to a roster builder in sports? Talk about that next.